Welcome to the Outdoor You Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 5 here on the Outdoor You Podcast. Today's title is Snowmobiling the UP. As uh, I'm your host, Rob, we want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook at Outdoor You. That's the letter U. And give us a follow there and to stay informed on our podcast. And also just to, you know, feel free to interact with your passion of the outdoors with us on social media as well. Joining me today is a good friend of mine, Stephen. Steve, you got you got to tell me, do you go by Steve or Steven? It's, it's Steve, but you can call me Steve or Steven. It doesn't matter. I'll answer to both. And my last name, everybody murders, so it's all good. Well, I'll let you go ahead and pronounce your last name then. It's Lotzbach. I, I would, well, I would have had that right. Yeah. I would have had that right. I would so, hope so. <laughs> so Steve Lotzbach is joining us, um, a good friend of mine. We've gotten to know each other from um, my on my other side of the microphone when I broadcast local high school sports uh, here where we're from, and that's where Steve and I have gotten to know each other. But I've asked Steve to come on today, and we're we're kind of getting away. Um, we're branching off a little bit, which is what I've really wanted to do starting this podcast, is I did not want it to be solely about hunting and fishing. Um, a lot of it's going to be based on that, obviously. But still, everything outdoors, um, whether it's cycling or jogging into fitness, and today's subject, I think, is even is just as appealing, especially for us that live here in the Midwest, and that's snowmobiling. And Steve is a diehard snowmobiler. He, in fact, he just came back from a weeks-long trip um, up in the UP of Michigan. Um, some of the, the pictures, Steve, that you posted on your Facebook page, oh, my God, they were beautiful. Thank you. It's, it's, it's definitely spectacular up there. There's no doubt about it. So my first question to you is, why in the hell – would you want to do snowmobiling when on, on even the, the winners of all winners, you might get three months when you can get on a Harley and ride that thing for nine months out of the year? What what is it? What got you infatuated with snowmobiling and keeps you because, you know, winners are so hit and miss around here they anywhere are. in the Midwest, yep. regardless of where you're from. What keeps your passion for snowmobiling? I, I guess you got to, I mean, I have a Harley too, and you're riding on a road next to everybody. It's, it's the same everywhere you go and you, it's, you got to, it's a fair weather rider. Uh, snowmobiling, it's something that you've never, I mean, you're going through national forests. You're going through places that you're not allowed to explore any other time besides snowmobiling season. Some, uh, trails that are dedicated and isolated just for snowmobiling, no other time. So to be able to go through canopies of snow and, and it looks like you're driving through miles of an, a bridge, an overpass, because it's just the trees hanging over and it's a tunnel, uh, just nothing but snow, and they groom them every single night, and it's amazing. It's the, the views and the experiences that you get, you just can't replace that. How long have you been some? I think, do you remember how, I mean, as a kid, obviously, I would yep. imagine. Started as a kid, but as I got older, <clears throat> obviously, you know, the kid stuff was kind of junky and, you know, just whatever was left over, but... Uh, as an early adult with kids and stuff, you kind of get rid of all your toys. You don't have time for that. But now that my kids are getting older and, and stuff, so we, we've got a couple snowmobiles. We've probably had, I think, probably six or seven snowmobiles in the last, uh, I'd say, three years. I grew up in the country um, in northern Indiana, which what is where we lived, um, which is what really got me infatuated with the outdoors. Not only, you know, my dad got me into the woods as far as hunting but where I grew up with my mom and my stepdad we lived on a, a private lake in northern Indiana and we had all the wilderness yep. behind us and so I mean we had something to do no matter what time of the year it was whether mm -hmm. we were water skiing or hydro sliding or tubing out in the lake in the summer and obviously fishing in the summer along with the spring we all had all of us neighborhood kids we had not four wheelers but three wheelers Back then, it was three-wheelers. Three -wheel. We had yep. Honda and Yamaha three-wheelers, yep. and we also had snowmobiles. And so, growing up, I was a huge snowmobilist myself. I, my first snowmobile was an Articat Kitty Cat, the, the old... The small ones. Yep, yep. that you, yep. could, you could even put on rollers and, yep. and ride on the driveway. You put wheels on the front and go. Yep, and go. That was my very first snowmobile, officially. I guess my real 
the real official like man snowmobile that I ever wrote would have been my my uncle's Yamaha Enticer 340. I thought you were going to say John Deere Liquifier. That's number two because that was what my stepdad had, and that was the baddest ass looking snowmobile yep. with the black, silver, and the green. Yep. He had the matching coat, the bibs, the jacket, the helmet. I mean, um, he was all decked out. I remember as a kid that John Deere liquefier, a buddy of mine, <clears throat> Brad Smith, it was his stepdad, Tom, and we back then we had snow. Every winter we always played in snow for months and months on end. So when they talk about global warming, they really are talking about it because I mean, we don't get anything around here. And I remember <clears throat> it was around us all the time. And he hit a snowbank and jumped probably about 20 feet in the air, and I was so mesmerized by watching him fly with that three inches of suspension that it had to kill him because it would have killed me today if I had to do it. But he, it, it just sticks in my mind. And um, at that point, I was hooked. It was for forever a snowmobile from then on out. How many snowmobiles do you own today? Three. Three. Yeah. So, obviously, we talk about the challenge with here locally and where we're at in southern Michigan. I mean, it's a challenge. I mean, for... It's expensive. Where, yeah, but where do you go to find the consistent snow to where you, you know you're going to be safe to, to, to load them up on a trailer and go? With social media, that's the key <clears throat> with snowmobiling these days is social media keeps us able to go do what we want to do it's the facebook forums it's the trail updates uh we've always been able to, to snowmobile from here all the way up to the up there's trails that connect each other all the way up yes. every year we lose more and more of those trails um from people that don't follow the rules people that jump off the trails and, and go through private property private land uh, we're losing the trail system little by little by people not following rules <clears throat> however we still have thousands of miles of trails and it's Getting up to wherever we want to go, we set the you know the time frame, the you know the vacation per se with the group that we go with, and we always check. There's usually a cancellation policy within 24 hours. But we're on the forums, you know, watching the news, watching the weather, seeing what the base is, watching the trail conditions, and that's early in the year. As time goes on, usually the base up north is it stays consistent and it doesn't go away. When do you start like when do you start scratching the itch about okay I'm ready to go and like you're ready to go on a trip I mean November early December when do you start when do I, you start really looking to, to so we're we're kind of a little bit unique with the group that we have we're very maintenance oriented so you know you're talking October November as it's getting a little bit chilly we're getting the snowmobiles in you know you're changing the plugs you're making sure everything's right and, and that gives you plenty of time if you got to order anything especially with 2020 and the COVID and the delay in shipping you wanted to make sure that everything's done. Um, we make it as user-friendly, ready to go. You know, if it breaks, it's really broke. It's not just for lack of maintenance. And then we start watching weather. We try to go every year the week after, the day after Christmas for that week. That's an annual trip every single year. And this year we got a couple days out of it, and that was it. We had to come home because we ran out of snow. Is Michigan the, the mecca state of the country for snowmobiling, or is there another? Well, I, I guess what I'm looking for is, in, as a diehard as you are, what, what is like the capital, the mecca of snowmobiling in the United States? I mean, right now, it's probably New York because really? of, I mean, your new bu Buffalo, New York, and that area because they always are getting hammered, you know, as the lake effects snow. I mean, they got feet this year. At one point, I think I think it's six feet a day. So the trail system over there, they're, they've got plenty of snow, and they take full advantage. I know the governor over there is pretty uh, conservative, and they like snowmobilers. So when they run out of snow, they take snow from parking lots, and they put snow on the side of the road so the snowmobilers have something to groom and ride on. Whereas in Michigan, they don't do that. If a trail goes on the road, they'll grind that road all the way to the edge. They, they're, they're not as snowmobile-friendly as what some of the other states. i got to believe northern Wisconsin because I, yep. I did a motorcycle trip I've done several motorcycle trips in Wisconsin, and, of course, quads are huge there. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, we went – we saw more quads than we saw F-150s. Yep. And I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah, because they bring four or five on a trailer, yes. six or more on a trailer, and just like us, when we go snowmobiling, we always take backup. But i got to believe that this time of the year, that's kind of converting into big snowmobiling as well in that northern Correct. But see, the worst part about Wisconsin is the fact that they do a lot of their trails across lakes. So if it gets a, an early heavy snow – you don't get the ice built up. So if you don't have the ice that sustain the weight of the, the groomers, they can't continue that trail across that lake like they want to. So that trail will be closed until they get it this thick enough ice for them to be able to groom it. So that's the, the downfall is that hopefully it gets cold quick. 
without the snow so that way the ice is thick and then the snow comes and then they can groom it and get the groomer across it. We talk about as soon as you look look to make trips, how far in? I mean, like when when are you still I mean, here we are, we're we're knocking on March's door. I mean, are you kinda of packing it in for the year? Or I mean, is there still yeah, so possibilities? We're, yeah, we're watching. So right now that there's there's a snow storm coming right now. We're gonna get ice and some some a lot of rain actually. It's gonna be up to like two inches of rain. Uh, you go north, and we're going to get 8, 10, 12 inches, depending on where it is, plus some lake effect that hits the UP afterwards. But uh, they're hurting up there. I mean, there's not a lot of base because it's been probably one of the warmest summers up there also. Keewinee, they get 300 inches a year. And this time of year, they're 60 to 70-inch base under of snow that's compacted, ready to, to turn and, and get ready for grooming. There's only like 17 or 18 is the last time I checked. So they're hurting this year. I got to believe, too, that a lot of these communities way up north in Michigan and probably even in, into upper state, New, upper New York, a lot of it's tourism driven to oh, where absolutely. I mean, some of these towns literally mm-hmm. live and breathe, live and die off of the snow and, and, and depending on yep. the snowmobilers. I guess that the one thing, me being a motorcyclist, is I look at Sturgis, South Dakota. I mean, for about a month's time span, I mean, they, they basically have like four weeks. You know, where around that big rally where you've got millions of motorcyclists coming in, and then after that, I mean, there's literally, dead. it's dead. I mean, there's literally probably 80% of the businesses in Sturgis, South Dakota, in the town are only open like for the month of August. Yep. And I got to believe it's somewhat similar for it some of these small, granted, a little bit smaller communities that versus Sturgis, South Dakota, but still very pendant, uh, dependent on the tourism of snowmobilers. It is, but as as we've evolved, we're, the side-by-sides are now kind of taking up a slack. They used to be the, the quads and the forerunners and the motorcycles and stuff, but the, it wasn't a heavy traffic flow back in the day of, of those. I mean, even though that the trails are still there, the ORV trails are, are year-round, uh, and they some of them closed down for snowmobilers. But this side-by-side is huge. The, the side-by-sides have taken off. They, they rule the roost now. They're everywhere. They're they're the hot thing, the hot ticket. And they're keeping those places like Pine Stump and Eckerman, uh, the smaller towns that are up north, they're, they're staying in business because of that. Well, and, and when you mention that, I mean, because that's something you can do year-round. Year-round. Whether, whether it's you're going through the snow or yep. it's 95 degrees outside and you're just, I mean. And there's trails that are dedicated yeah. year-round for side-by-sides. But it's, there's some that close also. And even if you put tracks on a side-by-side, it's still not allowed on a snowmobile trail. People think that it's got tracks. You can go on the trail. You can't. It's got to be an, an actually marketed and produced snowmobile in order for it to be legal on the trail. I think another um, thing that I've been seeing a lot of more popular with these trails is also the fat tire bikes. Yeah. And, and now they've even become electric to where yep. they're motorized. And some of the trail, I mean, and technically, I mean, I don't know what the DNR would do, but, I mean, it's they're not really, uh, there's, there's definitely thinner than the tracks in ours, so they're going to, they're going to rut, and for that, they might throw a little bit of a fit DNR. I know they're not, quote-unquote, legal in the aspect of the definition that it's got to be a snowmobile-produced or manufactured unit on the trail, so kitty cat or whatever it might be. Um, but the motorcycle ones, they I, I've seen them on the trails. I've seen them fly by. It's pretty cool. However, I don't know if it, the DNR is going to be really happy with them. I don't, I don't know how they're, if they're going to be understanding with that. Tell us about this trip you just got you just did. Well, it was awesome. Um, everybody that sees the pictures, the first thing that they say, it's cold. Gosh, it looks cold. It's beautiful, but it looks cold. I'm thinking, you have no idea. Um, if the gear now, I wore a coat and a T-shirt. And people are, I mean, that's just unheard of. Yes, back in the day, we had layers and layers and layers and layers of clothes. You're not. They didn't the, call them snowmobile boots for nothing. Oh, my goodness. The Mickey Mouse ones, yes. the real big ones. Uh, nowadays, they're. <laughs> They're expensive. It's the it's quality, but climb and you know any one of the Skidoo products. It's it's quality gear. I mean, to the point the last day that we rode, <clears throat> it was in the forties, upper forties. I literally had a t-shirt, a thin t-shirt, and my coat, and I was riding with my coat unzipped on the in the trails. It just gets warm. It's it's a uh, very comfortable if you have the right gear, but for most part, you know it. 30 degrees, 25, 30 degrees, that's all you need is this is a nice long T-shirt and your coat, and you'll be fine. Um, but when it starts getting chilly, that's when you got to put a little bit more on it and, 
it all depends on who you are. I'm a little fluffy, so I yeah. I gotta I get hot easy. Well, especially too if you do any night riding. I mean, obviously, yeah. well, after the sun drops and and you know you get a clear night. Yeah. And, you know when the moon comes out, it's especially it, in the winter time. Boy, that temperature plummets fast. Well, some of those pictures you we're up on top and we're on top of this mountain in the national forest. That was cold because we had the t-shirt on and that wind's coming right up that hill or the mountain and it's hitting you and it's hitting you fast and you don't take your helmet off and you keep everything zipped up and it's but then when you get on the trail you're being blocked with a windshield and so forth so so where, where did this trip start i mean obviously you didn't hop in here in southern michigan you had to trailer up to yeah we went around the, the west side of chicago in in the lake and went up that way through wisconsin okay and we went to ewan and that's where we stayed. And from Ewan, we just kind of every day just planned out what we wanted to do, where we wanted to go. We went to the Lake of the Clouds, um, that right north of Ontonagon, and it's the most beautiful lake that's on top of a mountain. If people don't you know it's there, you can get to it in the summertime. It's it's pretty impressive just summer alone, let alone going up there on winter. And you can only get there on a snowmobile in the wintertime. They close the road down, and they turn that into a trail. And it's a steep hill, a steep road to get to it. It's pretty awesome. How many miles? That one there, that trip. I mean, are, are, how many miles? Are, a day or? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I look at from, I, I'll, I'll reference motorcycling a lot because, I mean, I do a lot yeah. of motorcycle trips. So, I mean, you know, when we go on trips, far distance ones, we're, we're doing anywhere from probably two, well, I, I should say maybe 150 to three to 350 would be a really long day yeah. on a motorcycle for us. So, it all it's it's for each their own. I mean, with me being a motorcycle guy, also it, I, I get it. You plan your stops accordingly and so forth. But with with snowmobiling, you you can't really uh, you you try to do it, but at the same time, you want to stay. We always stay right around the one hundred and fifty to two hundred. But there's days where, let's face it, it's we need fuel, and unfortunately, the only fuel place that we can get fuel is is north, and we live so we're staying south. So you got to go that extra fifty miles to get what you need. I mean, there's not a gas station at every corner. You're planning, you're reading a map, you're following. I mean, the trails are extremely well marked out, and you know, I got a map in front of me. It's it tells you where you're at, what's road, what's not, what's open, what's closed, and it's not uh, any road that you want to go down on a motorcycle and get to where you want to go. It is you go on this trail, and that's your only option unless you want to grind down the concrete all the way to where you want to be. I've got a great friend that I ride motorcycles with. Uh, we call him Magellan. He is our he is always our trip planner, mm-hmm. and you know with all the yeah. with all of the exactly. devices yep. that we have, he still breaks out the old. Oh, maps. there's a, there's always an the old maps that. that you got out here. So as yeah. soon as you came out came walked in here tonight and you broke out this map, I instantly thought of my, my yep. good buddy Tim because that's Tim all day. He is still not a Tim guy. Galloway, is it? No, no, <laughs> Tim Stuber is his okay. name. We we call him Magellan. That's his that's his uh, his biker name. And um, well, it's funny because I have a GPS. I bought a cheap twenty dollar. I wanted to test it, so I bought a twenty dollar Garmin, and I silicone the edges of it, and I put a. I downloaded all the trails onto it, <clears throat> and it's it's quite comical because it was so cheap that the battery wouldn't last. As soon as you turn it off, it would it never last. It'd die. And uh, one of the guys that goes with us, his name's Mark. Tim and Mark are always arguing, looking at the map. Need to go here? No, need to go here. So we got to the point where they're, I'm like, well, the GPS says go this way. And they, they're both old school map guys. And Tim is one of those gentlemen that says, he just gives me a compass. Just give me a compass. I'll find my way home. And it, literally, it's true. You tell him which way is north, and he knows how to get there. He'll figure it out quickly. So the joke is, hey, can I see your GPS? And don't ever hand him your GPS because he's going to chuck it in the woods. <laughs> and then you're going to go look for your GPS as he throws it as a joke. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's came in handy to get us back where we wanted to be when the map wasn't accurate because every year they don't ap- update it every couple years and the trails changes. But it, all in all, it tells you where the local roads are. The GPS really helps you with where you're at. Yeah, I think the two, you know, again, back to motorcycling, you know, these where they highlight the scenic roads. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's a there's one way of, of getting from point A to point B, yep. but then also to find the cool way to go from point A to point B. That's a challenge. And that's well, like going back to my buddy Tim and, and my other biker buddies. They do a phenomenal job of researching mm-hmm. these roads and and. You just can't see on it. This is where you no, really you got to depend on some of these apps now that they do have. Uh, just a lot of times it's old school knowledge. I mean, when we went up a yes. couple times to Coquamina, everybody goes to the local restaurant and they go through the tourist area and then you go to see the waterfalls from the top. 
Mark and Tim, they have been there so many times and they've gotten to meet locals and they got the experience. They knew exactly how to get to the backside, the other side of the falls, to the bottom. So we were the only five people that walked to the bottom of the falls and were standing underneath them or near them looking at all the tourists across from us. And they're like, how in the heck did those guys get there? But it was because of the local knowledge. It's the local people that say, no, no, follow us. And you you hang out with them for a half a day. And that's the same way when we go to Irons. A lot of times the trails are dirt. And we'll ride all day long in the woods, and we'll never see an ounce of dirt because of everybody there that rides. They know the... the so so we've both have drank beer at the Oaks Grove. Yes. <laughs> because if, if you're a snowmobilist in Irons, you're also yeah. a motorcyclist yep. in Irons, which is the blessing of the bikes, which yep. leads you to Baldwin and then yep. Irons, which if you don't stop at the Oak Grove, then yep. you have no business being there. Being there. <laughs> so I'm even getting goosebumps just yeah. thinking about that. Do they still have the dollar bills on the ceiling? Yes. Actually, they, they there's not as many as what they used to be. Yeah. So they had to take them down. I think the new owner took them down, and they said they had trash bags of them. As a matter of fact, we were just there uh, the first trip of the year that we – it was a sh- right after Christmas. Speaking of that, Obviously, then just down the road past that is the ever-famous Dublin Mall, Yep. which burnt to the ground. I, God, how many years ago was that? I don't remember that. Six, because of his, seven years ago, I'm well, thinking. Well, being a snowmobile and being kind of an enthusiast for snowmobile, we tend to try to stay away from anything inside for a long period of time because we got so much gear on. So right. going to the mall would be something for a motorcycle person that would want to stop and just get structurally. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they've they've rebuilt it, yep. and now it's it's – they still have all the jerky. That tastes the same. It's still yep. it, it's mind blowing to go in there to see that many varieties it's of jerky. <clears throat> but the nostalgia of yep. the original is gone because it's like this huge. It's like they just basically put be- beef jerky in a, in a Walmart. I mean, they they supersized it. Every place that you go has got something different. I mean, there's there's places that are on the southern part of the UP that have this. It's kind of like a massive pot pie. I mean, they're they're known for that. That's where we stop, and we go out of our way to get that. So there's places that you'll always remember. We have pictures of um, Strong's, and there's a place where the basement, you actually got to come up through the the toilet area, and it's it's fake, but you come through the toilet. It's just there's a lot of things that people don't experience, and they don't see because they don't really go that area. It's not something that you're going to stop and pull over in a car because you can go so many miles. Whereas snowmobile, you're always out looking when you go through town, talk to people when you stop to get fuel, because you can only go 100 miles with, and 80 to 100 miles on most of the sleds before you start really looking for fuel. And that's where you start to get to know people and talk to them. And, hey, have you been down here and seen this? No, let's go do that. Let's go see the ice caves. Let's go see different things, you know, you know the picture rock. And just go wherever you want to go. And we've got an extra can of f- fuel on the back of my snowmobile, and if we run out, we'll just throw some in, and we'll get it filled back up and go. Are you, is this, the group that you're in, is this more of a club? Is it just more of like a kind of an inner Sons of Anarchy type yeah, thing where yeah. it's just a kind of a, a close click of people that you hang around? Or do you have an actual like open to public club? It's, it basically, it's just a group of guys that we all get together. Um, in, in snowmobiling, it's, it's kind of well known that it's a lot of people like to, to go and socialize and, and stop at the taverns. And Absolutely. So, and, and that's the, the camaraderie that you get. You go snowmobiling, almost every single person you run across can fix stuff. You very rarely have somebody that doesn't know how to take two wrenches, do this, twist this, go get a bread tie, some tape, we'll get it going. Or a clutch cable. It's something. Yeah, it's it, They figure it out every single time. And um, the, the bad thing about that is the fact that if you break, you sit there in the bar, and then some of these people drink way too much than they should. I'm trying to be polite because we're on a podcast, but let's face That's it. That's fine hey, because I'm so relating right now. Oh, yeah. Some of those guys can drink, you know, and we've, we've come across the guys that you're going, geez, oh, Pete, they're – they're really going to get back on a snowmobile and ride. My group, I, we're all fathers, and we're, we're not doing that. We will go, and we'll ride during the day. It's safer to ride at night in some aspects because you can see that guy coming and see his headlights. That's a good point. Um, there's a company called Bite Harder. They make a light that goes on the back of these helmets now. They're LEDs. You can see them for miles, and it just literally lights up the, the, the woods when they're coming through it. And it's really nice to be able to see the group that, that you're riding with. They're in front of you, and those lights just stick out. Everybody's got their own color and stuff. But the daytime is where you got to be careful because we're whipping through the corners. Everybody's going, and some of these people come in so hot, they dip in on your side, and then they swing while you like NASCAR, 
and they'll catch skis together. And that's where people are starting to get killed and they'll get an accident. I mean, these snowmobiles now are not like what it was when we were kids. No. We had four inches of suspension with a John Deere liquefier, four inches. And I think I got 16 now. They drive like Cadillacs. They're, some of them are electric where you just push a button and change everything you want just on the handlebars. It's, they're the real deal. They're comfortable. The other thing, though, even though you say it's safer at night, but then you also, though, then have to f- the the animal factor. Correct. That it's comes a, into play. We, we almost a hit lot one. more. A lot more. At, obviously, at nighttime. Yeah. When, when you got depending I've on been, where. I mean, obviously, the deer. But at the further north you go, then, you, then you've got you've got elk. I've um, been ran over by a deer. Yes. It it. I've never been hit so hard in my entire life. It was. I came around a corner, and it was. I was turning right, right next to the tree line. So I scared the deer. I had no idea he was there. And so the deer takes off the same direction I'm going, and I had no idea he's running parallel. Well, obviously, my snowmobile is faster. So I get to the edge of the field, and I've got a curve to the left because there's more trees there. Well, the deer was just going home into the trees to be safe. Well, when I turned left and I started whipping around this corner, that deer ran me over. And it was a buck. And I joked about it and said I was the first time I was on a clearance racket because I was under a buck and it was a <laughs> joke but I I it is those guys the deer is I mean they're stout I've never knocked me off my sled I was bruised from basically my shoulder all the way down to my ankle just nothing but solid blood because I landed on the ice and it was it was horrible I mean that thing was scary you seen it come out of nowhere it just ran me over so how many guys were on this how many were on this trip with you at this particular one this Which last just, one, yes. you know, we had five. So that's what we average is anywhere between four and six, seven. Um, some guys like to ride 150 miles and want to come back, and they like the camaraderie more than they do the riding. So we play a game of 31. Um, we sit and we, we beat each other up, you know, talk smack and have fun, tell stories, and play cards throughout the evening, have drinks. Are you airbnb in it or yeah. hoteling? Or? It, we go up north. It's usually Airbnb cabins that we've already known. Yep. Um, pretty well-versed on where to go, what cabin to get, because we've done it enough. Um, and then we got other guys that's like myself. Um, there's another guy that rides with his name, Darren Hearn. Him and I like to ride. We're just riders. We'd rather go 500 miles like it's, than go back and play cards. But it's that balance of you're with a group, and, you know, you stay stick with them and enjoy the time. And um, there's one trip Darren and I went up two days early before everybody. So we get our, our riding in before they came, and we pick on them that they're getting old, and they can only do 150, 200 miles, but they're all sore the next day. So, How many states have you snowmobiled in? Um, so we've snowmobiled in two, just to Wisconsin. We were supposed to go to Canada this year. Uh, I was supposed to do it in COVID year, but that got canceled. And then Canada's a pretty long trip. When you, when you, when you say Canada, is it – is it 100% where you would have to cross with them in a trailer, in a vehicle, or is there ways where you can actually cross into Canada on an actual snowmobile? You can cross over on the snowmobile, but the problem is, is I mean, just like Mackinac, Mackinac Bridge, when that ice forms, you can cross there on the ice bridge. They make an ice bridge with trees and so forth, and you can actually drive around the island. I got videos of that on Facebook as well, just, just video and going through town on the snowmobile. It's pretty cool. But when you go to Canada, it's not the norm it's a backpack trip so some of these people like jeff bridges he's he's big on backpack trips they go to one location they stop they get off they load their sled they get a good night's sleep they wake up in the morning and they don't come back to that location for four or five days and then they go to the next location with all they have on the back of the snowmobile and that's canada canada you'll go it'll the sign will say next gas station 150 miles. So you're not out on the side of the trail ripping and trying to jump things and wasting your fuel being stupid. You're conserving it because if you don't know how, if you're going to make it to that gas station. How many, pardon my ignorance, but I mean, how many miles do you get normally on a, on a full tank of gas in a snowmobile? I mean, and correct yeah. me too. I mean, are these, oh yeah, it's, are it's, these <laughs> newer snowmobiles? I mean, before it's, you, you're not even, uh, you don't even have an odometer. You, you had hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it was, do you literally have where you oh. can track miles? Oh, yeah. It, okay. it, it, my, actually, my snowmobile actually tell me what my fuel economy is. So I'm averaging 14 to 15 miles per for the gallon, and I've got 10 gallons. But my last snowmobile that has a tune, and it's got a, it's a big turbo, and it's pushing 260, 280 horse, it was great for power, but it didn't pass many gas stations. So you're getting six, seven. So it, it just all depends on what you're driving. 
what how much power you have, what you like, and just being smart. Because driving like an idiot is the whole point of being on a snowmobile sometimes. You see that snowbank, and you're going to hit it. You're going to jump it. You're going to go off the trail. You know, and then The adolescence comes out in you. Oh, absolutely. You can be a 15-year-old boy all day long, and nobody's going to tell you that you're stupid, and you can't do that. It's That's the best part about it. It's until you hit a tree or a stump, and then it, uh, last two years ago, I went around a corner. And we had tons of snow where we were at. I don't even remember what town it was. Well, I took it and I slid a little bit. And when I slid, the snowmobile kind of fell to the inside. Well, it started to tip because of the angle of the turn. So I jump off thinking, okay, I'm going to stop this snowmobile from rolling over. And it was next to a pine tree. And I went all the way down, and the snowmobile came over on top of me. And, I mean, I was all the way down standing on the ground, and the snowmobile was above my head. I'm 5'9", and my hands are above me holding the snowmobile up from falling on top of me. Well, the rule is, you get to the next stop sign, you wait till everybody shows back up. It's just the rule across the board. When everybody shows, then you take back off. I didn't show up. So, of course, everybody turns around, something's wrong, because he's usually right here. And when they got back there, they see my sled on the side, and they notice that I'm underneath it holding up. The first question is, are, oh, my gosh, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. So get this damn thing off me. You get it off of me. Get it off me. And, the, no, hold on a minute. Boys, get your cameras out. He's okay. <laughs> so I had, you know, five grown men standing over there just, just snapping pictures left and right. And, of course, then they get you out at that point. But they got to get that. And, matter of fact, Jeff Wagner, a buddy of mine, just sent that same picture to me. Hey, you remember this? So it's, it's, it's fun. Would that classify maybe as the scariest scenario you've ever been in no no the scariest for me is when i took my girlfriend up there and and my son to all the way up to you know uh, saint Nick, or saint marie and white uh fish point that was the scariest for me I, the guys i don't worry about you know we're all adults we can it's nice going with people like tim and mark and them guys because they know where they're going we can all figure it out but when i'm taking my girlfriend and my son i'm everything i'm the mechanic I'm their watch on their eyes. I'm their protection. It was people cutting corners and almost hitting my son, almost hitting my girlfriend. It freaks you out. It's 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 a whole new perspective. That trip wasn't as Enjoy- relaxed. Yeah, right. it wasn't as enjoyable and relaxing <clears throat> as what I thought it was going to be because I was being a dad and a boyfriend to be protective in an environment where, you know, people are going 80 mile an hour whipping by you. It's scary. That's crazy. I mean – and not from from that aspect too, but you know, bike. When you going back to motorcycling, I think one of the sometimes it's nice to have that guy plan everything, yeah, and, and routes. But it eventually it wears on you because you're constantly up front, yeah, you know, and and you're constantly watching roads, and you're constantly being asked, "Where do you go? Which hey, way? Which way are we going now? Which yep. way are we going now?" And it's like there's just sometimes where you're like, "I'm out." Yep. I'm out for the next hundred miles. Yeah. I want to ride clear in the back. That's and me. Just, yeah. And just and just kick back and relax and because you really can't enjoy the scenery. Yep. You know, because you're kind of steering the whole ship. And so. But the I, bad thing about that too is being the guy in the back. <clears throat> I've done that a lot with the group that I go with because they're so well versed in knowing everything where they're going. There's you're getting the experience of going places, but you're not getting the experience of learning anything either because you're like, what town did you go to? I don't know. What trail did you take? I don't know. Where, do you, where are you at? I don't know. I'm just following those guys. It gets to a point where you you lose a little bit of that history of that trip when you're not the one really doing that, too. So there's pros and cons. But it was an enjoyable trip. I had nothing to worry about. I just followed the guys in front of me. That was it. <laughs> you said Tunnel of Trees earlier. Like, oh, literally. It but is. But there's also a road called the Tunnel of Trees in Michigan. It rides from Petoskey all the way up to the bridge. Is that a snowmobile attraction during the winter, or is that pretty much just kind of a motorcycle, Some just motorcycle. normal? Yep. Uh, um, we do things like the bridges, like the uh, Houghton-Hancock, or the Houghton area, Houghton Lake. Um, they take in snow from, you know, Walmart, all the different places, the parking lots, and they put it underneath the bridge. So they groom underneath the bridge for snowmobiles to cross. And, that, I mean, that's a milestone. That's what we did. I sent, you know, put a video on that. But it's there's certain things you do, you got checkoff lists, you know, Tequamina Falls, it's, you know, the Bond Falls, it's trying to look at different things and, and get it, okay, we check this off, check that off, check that off, you know, Whitefish Point, uh, the 
Fitzgerald, the, the sinking of that. Look at the history and, and stuff. It's You go up to north in the summertime and the fall, and you see the same things you're getting ready to see in the winter, but you get to pick up the fluorescent rocks that glow with a, a black light. Okay, let's go back to the Fitzgerald. So, mm-hmm. and pardon my ignorance. So, they're like, I'm. Um, are you saying that you can like ride out onto the ice? No, we okay. <clears throat> not up there. Because um, I, I don't even remember how far offshore. Right off, it was right, right off Whitefish Point. Okay. Yep. And it was a stormy night type deal. Oh yeah, just listen to the song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they exactly. tell the whole story. Yeah, it, it's 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 neat because it tells you the whole history there, and you've got all the Coast Guard uh, buildings and the shops and stuff that you can go in during the summer and the fall. And see how the, deep down is that? I don't know. I don't remember. So, I mean, it's not visible. No, nothing's visible for us that I've ever seen. Okay. But it's it's neat to go up there when that you can actually buy things because snowmobiling. You get to a lot of these places, you don't you can't buy anything. There's nothing open. There's a lot of times the railing that you hold on to that you don't fall over during the summer is at your ankles because <laughs> of the drifts and snow. So you're standing on the rails as you're walking down to look at things. I hate bringing it up. Because obviously it's it's been one of the crippling things that we've dealt with in in our lifetime, but COVID nineteen. But obviously that I have to imagine that first year, I had to drove a lot of people to buy sleds and and get. I mean, because it was something that. But it was you, tough. But it was tough when we went up there. It was very hard because if they had different. I mean, we had different rules here in Michigan, and they were. Uh, they were governed, and they weren't governed by governing body. They were governed by people. And the people that, you know, the homebody, the, the, the gentleman that was retired would throw a fit and turn in the restaurant that was trying to sell a pizza. It was, it was a very difficult task because there was times where we, that was trips where we stopped in and they're like, park around back. And then we went in and they made us pizzas and they made us food and they can let us get gas. And let me tell you, they got paid very well because of that wasn't. You know, they didn't have to do that. Right. And we know that that's our livelihood. And w- our group, we tip extremely well every single time we go because of the fact that we get to know people. You know, we know Heather owns the place in Strong's. So we, we go there. They recognize us. They say hello. We make sure that we leave and they're, they're compensated. They're well taken care of. It's higher tips there than what we do anything around here just for the sake of the fact that they need that. We don't, I mean... We have a revolving door of people coming in at a restaurant on a regular basis here. So I, I guess it would be kind of a double-edged sword because I guess what I was getting at is that I'm sure that there was a lot of people that went out and bought snowmobiles mm-hmm. that year because I was like, well, it's something I can do outdoors. I don't have restrictions. But yet once it came to – sooner or later, you're going to have to socialize. you got to get into a social setting, whether it's to get gas mm-hmm. or to eat, go to the restroom, <laughs> something, to where then it was kind of a – yeah, like I said, it was it was a it was a double edged sword. Yeah, and then we had a boat, and but I guess what I was I guess see no, that question I guess I was did you see an influx of numbers of like number of snowmobiling that year? No, no, it was it was dead. <clears throat> I mean, they still they didn't, they groomed and did things that when that, those trips it was very minimal. People were out, but nothing like they were now. Um, those people that bought all those sleds, they're riding like crazy now. It's 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 huge, but it's just a. People have to go above, you know, M28 now in the UP to get snow. We, it, it just seems like to me, growing up as a kid, we always got snow in October, November. You know, it, we'd get it started getting cold. But if you, like, really stop and think about it, it, it was something that you'd almost want to look back at. It feels like our our rhythm or, or basically the routine of our winters don't start now until after December. And our spring, I remember as a kid, spring breaks, in, you know, in April – March, April, they were warming up. Now we're still, we've got snowstorms up north, and we're still getting substantial snowfalls. But our trails close March 31st. This has nothing to do with snowmobiling or anything, but when you speak about the weather, the one thing that I've noticed really in the last, I want to say, 10 to 15 years is that, you know, normally your your typical what they call tornado season was always like April, May, and early June. It mm-hmm. seems now we have more severe weather in like late September through early That's what I'm saying. It's like it's almost a month, a it's month, like a month and a half kind of later in yeah. everything. Yeah. So whether we get snow, we still have great weather in December. So it, what it seems like from what I remember as a kid compared to what it is now, we're about a month, month and a half difference. We're later time frame. It's like the, almost the earth has <laughs> kind of right. hit a hiccup and now we're a month late. And that screws us up for the season because the trails open December 1, they close March 31st. But we just got 
four foot of snow up north, and it's, you know, March 28th. We got tons of snow, but we can't use it. We can only ride a power line or something along those lines in the national forest, and they don't groom, they don't do anything, but it's, you got to, it is what it is. It's just the trails close. If you get caught, you're in trouble. You get a ticket. Okay. We talked snowmobiling. You said you're a motorcyclist. Yep. Push come to shove. What are you doing? If you had to get if you had to get rid of one machine in your garage, you're held at gunpoint. What what are you getting rid of, or what what hobby are you getting rid of? <clears throat> All right. So with that being said, <laughs> it's it's a catch twenty two because if I can jump on my motorcycle and I don't need anybody near me, and it's a mind clearing event, I can just clear my head. I can go to gas station to gas station. I don't got to think about where I'm going. I don't have to do anything besides ride in the direction I want to go. When I'm done, I'll turn around and I'll come home. And it's just that simple. When you snowmobile, you don't do that. You usually ride with a group or an individual. And the reason is because it just happens. It's the, your hand slips off the handlebars. Um, We had a gentleman that he hit a tree and broke the ski off. It's like, what happens if that happens to you? His snowmobile, you know, the throttle cable broke. You're in the middle of the national forest with nobody else to help you. It's something, a fluke, like a line, a fuel line broke on one guy's. It's a brand-new snowmobile. It only even rode 50 miles. And possibly sub-zero temperatures. Sub-zero temperatures. And, you know, that's, we are, we all carry tools. Um, I have a little survival kit with a little blanket. And let's face it, it's going to get cold. It's gonna, I mean, standing there not doing anything, that's when people go, oh, that's cold. Well, of course, if you're not doing anything. You're sitting on a snowmobile and riding. It's not cold. It's, it's, it's very warm. But if push come to shove, it's, it'd probably get rid of the snowmobile. If I didn't have a group to ride. Right. And the, gr- the group is slowly dwindling because we've only went three days this year. Yeah. And that group is like, well, we got side by side. So why are we? Hell, we could have ran. We could have rode bikes last week here. Yeah, exactly. And, and matter of fact, when we came home from that snowmobile trip to the Antonagon area all the way in the top, we've seen several snowmobiles that were out, you know, or I mean, motorcycles that were out. It's just, it's times have changed, and you've got to have that group of people that enjoy snowmobiling. And it's not, it's not a, s- a sport that people can just pack up and do. It's expensive. It's you got to have a trailer. You got to have a truck. You've got to have the gear. You got to, you know, each year the the, you know, the parts that you replace, the carbides, the runners, the high facts, all those things. I mean, it's an expensive hobby for to use it just a little bit. Whereas a motorcycle. I can use that for months and all. Take I it to have work. To, yeah, I got to do is have a coat. <laughs> I mean, but it's a, it's a vehicle. You yeah. can literally, if that if need be, you can. That's your. You can go to work back yeah. and forth to work. Absolutely, on it. and it's it's fifty miles a gallon, and a motorcycle. That's what I'm saying. It's so it all depends. If I had living here, absolutely got to get rid of snowmobile. Yeah. That makes because if I'm going to get rid of my snowmobile trailer and that holds four snowmobiles. And, you know, I can get rid of my truck. That, put four Harleys in that snowmobile trailer. I could probably put six or eight in that yeah. snowmobile trailer. But you get rid of your truck, and now you don't have to. Do, why? But you know what, Rob? I got to tell you. <laughs> Let me just tell you. I'm a Harley rider, and, you know, trailers are for boats and snowmobiles, not Harleys. So if you're, I mean, I don't see the purpose of riding. Uh, what are we, why are we riding or trailering your snow or your motorcycle down to Florida when you can ride down there? I've been afraid there. of getting wet. I've been there. I, I know because yes, the the, the old T. I, I rode to Sturgis in two thousand six, and many of shirts trailers are for pussies. Yes, I had that sticker on my helmet. Yes, <laughs> and I was all about that. Yeah, you know, but th- I was in my late thirties at the time. Now I yeah, just that's turned, when I had. Yep, I just turned fifty, and so I know our group is taking a big trip this summer to Yellowstone National Park. Oh my god, they're going to be going to Cody, Wyoming. It's, it's going to be a two-week deal because, yeah. and I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have the time um, that I can take off from work for, mm. to, for that commitment because, because of going to, to what you're saying, being that we're, they're riding out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, just to get out there and to experience everything and then to ride back, it's going to take two weeks versus if you loaded them up in the trailer. But the older I get, I mean, those... Those are some long-ass days, yep. and even this past spring, we took a trip down to southern Ohio. My bike had some mechanical issues. I was able to nurse it home, but it's like, man, if we had just Trailer. truck and trailered, it would have been a lot less stressful because I would have just thrown that bike on the trailer and just trucked it home yep. versus freaking out if I'm going to make it, you know, make six, 700 miles. 
on, mm-hmm. on a battery. So we had 24 people that went to New York from the fire department, and we went down there for the premiere of Rescue Me, the TV show. And when we left, we did have a trailer or a truck and trailer that followed us for that trip for that reason. Now, that's, that is the ultimate way to go yep. is if you can get a guy that maybe does like from a motor. Or Older gentleman that or, just wanted to go even, experience. Or even yep. a snowmobile. I don't yep. think it really matters to where they just want to hang around and be with the group and, and call, have the, like the chain. Well, let's just be honest. We call them the luggage bitch. Yep. That's what, yep, we, that's absolutely. what we call them. But it's so, man, that's such an awesome thing to have because then because that's another part of whether – regardless of, of what machine you're operating, if you're going to be gone for a week's time, you gotta you got to get creative in how you want to pack all your stuff. Yeah, motorcycles are a little different, though, because it's snowmobiling. You don't have saddlebags and touring packs. No, we don't. I mean, unless it's a backpack ride, then you then you carry a little bit more. But at the end of the day, we don't. We usually, when we go up north, there's multiple people that have snowmobiles for their wives or their kids or something. And if there's an extra spot, we're throwing that in. We're throwing that into the trailer. And that's for the sake of, Hey, we're five days here, seven days here, and our snowmobile broke on day one. That's that's a crappy trip that that guy has to sit there for six days in a cottage or a cabin in the middle of the woods with no internet, no cell service, no nothing, just twiddling his thumbs. So that's why we bring extra sleds and and we fill the trailers as much as we can with you know if we got two spots, we're gonna bring two extra trailers or our, our snowmobiles. That kind of reminds me though, of my grandpa. I was told. Um, Back in the day, you know, in the, well, let's see, I'm going to say probably f- in the 50s, maybe early 60s, you know, the, they, he would take all the legendary deer hunting trips up north, mm-hmm. you know, into to the either the lower part or the upper part of the lower peninsula or up into the UP. My grandpa wasn't a hunter. He just went up there. He yep. was like the chef. He, and yep. he, he enjoyed it. Like when they were out hunting, he enjoyed, he had, so he was kind of like the guy, not necessarily the guide, but... When you came back, he had everything prepared, the food, I gained, all, and he and he loved doing that. Yeah, I gained every trip. I gained anywhere between five and seven pounds. Every single snowmobile trip I go on, I come home and I gain five to seven pounds because of the way we eat. Everybody's responsible <laughs> for something. We divide it up day-wise. So breakfast or dinner, we all make it equal across the board. We share the cost. So snowmobile trips are extremely cheap because of whatever the cost of the place is. We split it five, six, yep. eight ways, and then we share the food. A lot of times we eat during the day, so it's just a dinner or breakfast. Oh, my gosh. You don't realize how much food. I mean, this the the one of the guys' nickname is T-Bone. That's what they call him that we rode with. Of course, what does he bring? T-Bone steaks. The biggest T-Bone steaks I've ever – I was so uncomfortable. After, I mean, I had the meat sweats. Like, there's nobody's business afterwards. It's like, holy cow, the food we eat is, is amazing on all these trips, and – you got to go to the gym after you get home. <laughs> That's why you get in the triathlon training. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, if you see me running, you better look behind me and you better keep up because something really bad's happening right now. <laughs> so much, you just, I just need to be quicker than you. That's all I got to be. Hey, it doesn't matter how fast you do the mile. It just matter if you do the mile. Yeah, there That's you go. all that matters. Well, eventually they do close down and they pack up and they take yeah. the trailer away. So eventually you've got to get to the end of that mile. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you mentioned this, the, the story about when you had the, the deer literally run you over. Well, we had one almost this last, last trip. What is, have you noticed, has, has there been any other beyond deer wildlife encounter? I mean, what, how many, what's, maybe, what, what, what's the craziest wildlife you've, the you've wolf. seen? The wolf. 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 We always look for, you know, the moose or the elk or whatever, you know, the different animals and stuff. But it's the, the wolf is the one that it, it'll It'll scare the crap out of you. And you've seen them. And we've seen them all the way down the trails, walk across the trail. In packs? Uh, no, I'd only seen the one black one. But I didn't see any other ones. I don't know if they already went across it when I recognized it. But it, it'll it make you, your heart pucker. It's, you, when you're up there and, and you're, I mean, you're in God's mm-hmm. backyard. You're, I mean, where there's, <laughs> like, in the middle of the night, then you just stop and just turn the machine off and just listen. Yeah, we'd stopped one that, time. That's, that's very... <laughs> Eerie. Yeah, we were up by the Newberry uh, area, and uh, we came to a an intersection where you know, there's three trails come together. And we stop and pull off the side, and we turned our lights off. It was the darkest night I've ever snowmobiled in my life. It was heavy cloud cover, no moon, no stars. 
and we all laughed because none of us could see each other. We were tripping over the snowmobile skis. We're running into each other. We literally couldn't see our hand in front of our face. So we had to put lights on, like, you know, light stuff up in order to get where we needed to be and, and stuff. But it's, it's dark, man. It's, people don't realize there's no, and then the northern lights are beautiful. If you can get to an area where you're over water, the northern lights, you don't see those around here. No. And it's, it's basically, my theory is, is we only live once. Experience what you can and make the memories you can. That, that memory for snowmobiling with my girlfriend and my son, it will always go down as a huge memory. The things that we've did, my son joking with him because of, hey, no whining. Okay. You know, and every time he got off the snowmobile, he'd fall in the snow because he was so tired. I'm like, well, are you whining? No, absolutely not, Dad. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I think one of the best trips that I, I've obviously, I'm, I'm a huge outdoorsman, hunter, fisherman, and, and I've done all that with my son, but I think the, the most memorable trip Mm-hmm. was after his uh, freshman year in college. He came home for the summer, and then before he went back, I took him and three of his buddies. We went up to northern Wisconsin yep. and went whitewater rafting. Oh, That was awesome. Yeah. And then I found out, too, that in Wisconsin, as long as you're 18, if you're with your parent, you can drink. Oh, my gosh. And we didn't know that rule, so the other three became my adopted son. They're like, they're all your – I said, yeah, I adopted all these kids. Oh, yeah. They're all, they're all my sons. Yep. You know, I mean, hell, I've coached them in football since they were seven. I think I was yep. – ju- I think I was justifiably could go as kind of their co-dad, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. So and, – and they knew what was going on, but, I mean, we had – I mean, it was just a two-day thing. But we had an absolute blast. Yeah, and it's just like I told my son this time. I said, we've got to make a decision what we want to do for spring break. It's just the, the year of 2020, we called that the year of new ex- experiences. When we had the boat, we, we basically said, whatever we're doing that day or that week, it's something that we've never done before. P- plain and simple. So have you been over to this beach or this creek? Yes. Then we're not going. Have we been to Chicago and done the locks? No, we've never went down the Chicago River. Then we're going to Chicago. We went to Manistee. We went to, you know, all over Lake Michigan to say that we had new experiences. So that way my son can say, gosh, I remember when I did this, and I remember when I did that. It wasn't about looking at a cell phone and doing things. It was building that that memory with that with my son to talk about later on in life, the stories, building stories. That's all what it's all about. We're kind of doing that now. I mean, I think when our kids were in the kid, still in the kid stage, you know, we were so involved with sports mm-hmm. and everything that kind of consi- which it does so many that you never really had the time to do trips. I mean, we probably could have, but we. I think the times that we had where we didn't have sporting events, we use that to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of take the take yep. the op- advantage of the opportunity of relaxing. But now as we're getting older, and my wife and I, we're obviously, we're em- the nest is empty. Um, so like this year for Christmas, instead of buying, spending the money for the material things that they probably could have, but what we decided was, was, and one of them is going to get experience this actual weekend, my wife, we bought tickets for my wife and my daughter to go see uh, Carrie Underwood. Oh, wow. So they're going to Detroit this weekend to watch her, and then... We also then got tickets for my son and I to go watch Luke Combs at Soldier Field come May. I can't wait for that. Absolutely. And yeah. so that's instead of we're like that's the kind of we want to mm-hmm. we want to purchase experiences. I think yeah. now. So there's a gentleman yeah. by the name of Jeff Ranger. He owns Ranger Gas out of mm-hmm. Elkhart. <clears throat> Very wonderful family, wonderful company. I can't say you know enough about this family. Jeff asked me one time, he said that you work a lot. I said, yeah, I'm building my own company at the time. I'm self-employed. And he he says, well, do you pay yourself well? I said, absolutely. I I do well. And he says, "Um, what about time? I said, I'm trying to build my company. He says, let me just tell you, I'm an SOB. I'm the son of the boss. And the one thing that my grandpa taught my dad and he teaches me is this will always be here. And he says, we can have all the money in the world. You can be the richest person. You just can't buy another minute. When the time's up, time's up. And he says, Take that time and be a dad now. Be that stay-home dad. Go to field trips. Work when you have to. As long as you can afford and you can take care of yourself lucratively, comfortably, enjoy that and build that experience. Because you can go back to work when you're, you're 50 and 60 years old in my company. And he says, do it and enjoy that time frame. So that's why I've started picking up the snowmobile and the motorcycling and going and do those things, the boat, just because of the fact that I'm making memories that I never was able to do as a kid. We were always alone because my mom was divorced. I didn't have a dad at, at the time. I had a stepdad later on, but they always worked. My dad was a truck driver. So it was they're always gone. You don't have any memories with them. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to make memories. Just have the one son? No, I've got a daughter. Okay. Yep, she lives down in Lafayette. And how old is she? She is 19. She's getting ready to turn 20. So you're you're getting towards the, I mean, you're still in the, I guess I can speak to you from experience. You're, you're still in the, the parenting dad stage. My daughter is very self, like self-driven. My daughter's self-independent. She doesn't uh, call for money. She doesn't ask for anything. She is all she's she's prideful. Let's just say she's prideful. The thing I was I was getting at is that we are now in the stage to where we are adulting oh, with yes. our children, and and that's been the best. I mean, because the parenting's over. Yeah. Not, now we're just an advisor. We're, we're an advisory council. And but now we can just have we can literally interact with our kids as adults. Yep. You're almost there. I got a 15 year old. He's yep. going to turn 15 next so month. So you, you still got some more. I mean, and each of those stages are are great. I mean, yeah. it's just. But it, I think that's what's kind of helped us with the empty nest syndrome is because then you just kind of think, okay, everything it's over, it's gone. You know, you're not. But it's also that's what I use to motivate my son to be better too. With being, he lives with me full time, so it's I have control over that aspect of things. He, hey man, we do a trip every year. Day after Christmas, we leave if there's snow, and it's all guys. It's all you know, wonderful dads that are people that I can let my son look up to. That that they're they're very well off. They're educated. They're with master's degree. They're successful. It's the contractors, anybody that they're all good, great men that are role models. So my whole purpose behind this was, is to, I can utilize this however I want. I can say, Hey, if you don't get good grades, you're not going. And I had to take that away from him. I said, I'm not, I can't let you go. You've got a bunch of missing assignments. So it killed him. It killed me, but it, you have to do that. So now he's got all A's right now. And so spring breaks now in March, that's still snowmobiling season. He's like, let's go, Dad. I got it. Yep. But at the same time, now we don't have snow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my gosh. So you talk about rip your heart out, but he's earning it, and we're looking forward to it. And it, oh, having that one-on-one time to go up north, but it's still going to be scary for me because of he's my boy, and I don't want anything to happen to him. Yeah. And he's not as motocross friendly and stuff as what I was growing up. So We got some good friends, too, and obviously um, – you're going to know who I'm talking about, but I don't want to, you know, make the bring names into involved. But they're great family. Just they are, they literally make me exhausted for all the sporting events that both of their kids yeah. are involved in. It's like every, not just every week, and it's almost every freaking day, day of the week. And they are with spring. When you mentioned spring break, they are finally pulling away from all that, and it's just the four of them, and they're going to go on a cruise. That's awesome. And it's like, thank you. I mean, yep. I, and I can't wait to hear about it and just to, you know, to see how it's just going to be the four of them. There's not going to be softball practice. There's not going to mm-hmm. be baseball, football, basketball. There's going to be no practices, no tournament, weekend tournaments to go to. It's just going to be the four of them on a boat. That's something they're going to remember. Yeah. And so that. I miss it. I, there's I love a lot get, of things yeah. that, that, um, that I wish a lot of them would do. Cause like even last year, I, I, for the first time I coached girls softball for the uh, middle school girls and a lot of them are travel you mm-hmm. know and this, the, the whole traveling thing regard whether it's softball baseball soccer I mean there's I mean pretty much you name a sport yep. other than football really is about the only sport that I can't think that there's not a travel, travel yeah. but it's just like it's all every single weekend and I remember after our season was over I kind of talked to the girls and I said okay parents this might upset you a little bit I go but I said you got to do me a favor Take a couple weekends this summer yeah. and just be a kid. Mm-hmm. Don't scratch a tournament or whatever. Just put the ball and the glove down for five to seven days and just go be a kid. Go camping. Yep. Go fishing. Go water skiing. Do something. Go go do be a different. summer activity and just be a freaking kid and have fun. Yeah. My son's not an athlete. He doesn't like all that stuff. He's, he's the gaming-type kid. So I'm an athlete. I grew up playing every sport under the sun. I love sports. Uh, I love motocross, racing, snowmobiles, you know, anything. Anything that goes fast, I enjoy. He's not. So I've had to change the roles as being a dad because I, I wanted I, – I coached my daughter playing softball. I coached him playing baseball. I love doing all that stuff. But it wasn't for them. So after I forced him to play the game and I realized it wasn't for them, now I've got to back up and realize I can't push my dreams, my hopes, my likes onto them. i got to hear them. So unfortunately, I'm – starting to learn how to play Fortnite for crying out loud and <laughs> I 
it's it's quite comical, but that's my time that I get to spend one-on-one with him rather than being in the yard playing catch because it's not enjoyable to him. It's yeah. okay. You're kind of forcing him to do something he doesn't want to do. I've got him excited about playing golf, but I'm telling him, I said, you got to embrace the suck because golf's a tough sport and you're going to get frustrated, but it's something that we can do together. So I told my sons got into golf. Cause funny you mention that because with, with my son, both my daughter and my son, they, they never got into the, the hunting bug. Yeah. Um, my son does a little bit, and now that he's older, he's actually – he gets into now – he, now he understands where it's more of just going out to shoot something. It's like yeah. the whole just kind of decompress and take mm-hmm. in Mother Nature. He's getting into that, but he's gotten into golf. Um, so we've gotten to – It's the only sport you can be with your kid for yeah. four hours at a time. And you can do it till you're old till you're dead. Yeah. yeah, and it's that's it's great for that, but at the same time, you got to change as a dad. you got to change as a parent. He's going to go snowmobiling. He does do that. I've got microphones in both so we can speak to each other. And it's a matter of teaching him, okay, how to take this hill, what to do, give a gas. And I'm not kidding you. We drove 15 mile an hour, and it was 15 mile an hour, 45 minutes in front of me. And I was like, oh, my word, this is going to kill me. But – it's he's getting better and better now he's driving faster and uh, what was worse is the fact that the girlfriend she would drive uh, fly by him at 80 <laughs> well he's boy and the boy doesn't like getting beat by a girl right well at 15 mile an hour then turn into 60 trying to keep up with her and i'm like no no you need to slow down because you're gonna get in a wreck but that was the comedy that that was the only thing that I could get him i could tell him to speed up he wouldn't do it but as soon as the girl passed him now obviously he's got to try to keep up before we wrap up, Steve, um, is there anything you like to promote from a, from a snowmobiling standpoint, whether a club or? No, I mean, it's just do it. It's If you get an opportunity and you've got the gear, I tell everybody, experience it. It's what, the what's, what's an average snowmobile cost now? I mean, if you're, if you're raw as you, you can know be, what? It's, it, it, what, what would, if, if a listener's out there thinking, man, I, I want to try this. If you're going to snowmobile, most people have one that they'll let you use, take advantage of that. Take advantage of going out, spending a little bit of money on a coat or borrowing somebody's coat because I have gears for my daughter. I have tons of sizes of gear. I don't throw anything away because you don't know what you're going to get with kids right. coming over to ride. I always tell everybody, experience it with good, with good gear. I don't care what you ride. I don't care what machine you're on because if you forget what machine you're on when you start seeing the, ce- the scenery and the views, when you're comfortable and you're warm, it is enjoyable. Because once the feet and hands get cold, they don't done. matter. You're and done. And it's, it's, it's a friend of mine down the road. He took his girlfriend. She rode on the back. And they got in an ice storm. She didn't have the right gear. She was a solid sheet of ice. She said, I'll never go on a snowmobile. She had first time ever doing it and the last. It Whether you're snowmobiling, you're hunting, you're fishing, you're motorcycling, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Once yep. you're cold, your feet and hands are cold, you are miserable, and you, the, hey, <laughs> but you're, if, you're, if you're hunting, you can get in the truck and go home. Yes. You can't when you're 100 miles in a national forest. You've got a bear and grit, and you're taking yeah. it. And that's why I said get borrow the gear, get it from somebody, get on a forum, get on a snowmobile chat, and just say, hey, guys, I got somebody that I want to take snowmobiling. I need some gear. People will let you. The snowmobile community is the most amazing community. They help each other. Matter of fact, this last trip, I, I left the bag open. I We were smooth trails, and then we hit a bunch of bumps. I threw every single item out of the back of my bag of my snowmobile. My tools, my registration, survival kit, every single thing across the board. I label stuff, and I say, in case of emergency, blah, blah, blah. And I've had my registration was with that. I received every single thing back at my house. In the mail? In the mail. That's unbelievable. That's the difference. I got reached out on Facebook, and on one bag I had telephone numbers, and he reached out and messaged to get my contact information. It it. They are amazing at returning it. Nobody's keeping it. Now, if there's no name or something, I'm like, geez, man, that's a really nice thing. I'll leave it at the bar. Or I'll leave it up next to a tree to see if they come back and get it. So that's why I say if you get the opportunity, it, the first and the only, the major, the most popular question is, right, you, that's cold. No, it's not. Get the gear and go for a ride, and you will be mesmerized with the beauty of this. It's, it's something that you will remember forever. Steve, thank you. Thanks, this buddy. Is, this has been good. Um, this is exactly uh, started. Like I said, this is episode five, and this is the things I'm, I'm trying to cover all gamuts of outdoors. And um, I know we're we're kind of on the tail end of snowmobiling, and it's you know yeah. for somebody this one. It's the, the time is kind of 
is precious and, and running it is. out. But it's all Facebook. It's all yeah. it's all forums. You can get to where you need to be and, and get the snow, and you don't need to guess anymore like they used to do back in the day. Now there's people that tell you exactly what it is, and they show you videos, and you, you're you're safe. So it's it's a great th- it's a great thing to have, and it's a wonderful trip across the board. I think we might have to do another one later for motorcycling. I'm in. Let's go. I'll, g- I'll get my I'll get my uh, DMK brothers in here. I think we need to have a big long uh, yeah. motorcycling. I'll uh, wear podcast. my helmet with my sticker on it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me. We want to thank you for listening here on our Outdoor You podcast. If you liked our show, please help expand our audience by sharing on your social media platforms and simply telling a friend. Thanks for listening and get outdoors. We would like to hear from you as the listener. If you would like one of our podcasts dedicated to a certain outdoor subject or to share your favorite outdoor experience, either as a guest on a show or post on our social media page, you can do all of the above by reaching us on Facebook at Outdoor You. Thanks for listening.